So here we are again on the I Am podcast, looking into how health and well-being and self-discovery can really fund our performance, enrich our relationships, and deepen our engagement and experience of life. So to guide us and assist us with what I think is a delightful endeavor, this week is Dr. Shafali Sabari. Dr. Shafali has experienced some amazing transformations in herself and in her own life. She's sort of transcribed these understandings into some beautiful books, a few of which the Awakened Family and especially the Conscious Parent have really already played huge roles in my life, that's for sure. Her focus is often obviously upon the subject of parenting and the opportunity that we are all afforded to help equip the next generation to somehow do better than we've done ourselves. Her work is very, very powerful in my opinion, provides a challengingly humble but difficult to argue with approach to bringing up our children. Her offerings are so translatable as well to every area of life. And this is what I want to explore now for a little bit of your time if you'll stay with me. One of the points that is central to Dr. Shafali's books is simply to recognize that our children are not ours. It feels like a big kind of shift in our thinking. They do not belong to us, is what it points at. They are themselves just amazing expressions of life and its intelligence. And it seems so easy to be drawn into living through our children because their success becomes our success, our worth, our pride and our joy. Their failure becomes ours too. Their unhappiness and suffering becomes our responsibility to fix and solve. The big takeaway here, though, is that we're only ever really responsible for ourselves. And as we begin to look after our own internal environment, we can begin to do a far better job of cultivating the environment around our children for their safety and their blossoming too. Now, there is a concept I want to explore in this little mini episode, and it's called the inner child. It's not a new one, one that I became familiar with through the works of John Bradshaw from many years ago in his book, Homecoming. My take on things, my understanding, and I guess what's been impactful for me in this area is that the childhood needs of ours that are not met, or the effects of traumatic events and the conclusions we make during our formative years, unless these are somehow confronted and resolved at some point they can really embed themselves within us they become huge parts of us really skewing our experience of who we are and how we see the world our seemingly irrational reactions to life events and believe me i know about these they're often referred to as that inner child in us acting up throwing a tantrum of sorts a sort of phrase that sums it up quite well, I think, is if it's hysterical, it's probably historical. So if parenting is about ensuring the needs of our children are met, providing them with the stable grounding to explore their own journeys, navigate their challenges and express their gifts, then reparenting our own inner child 
is about doing the same thing for ourselves. So we communicate and connect with our inner child in such a way that allows for many things to be let go and for wounds to heal. And by doing so, we open the door to greater involvement in life, greater clarity and to the capacity to exercise our creative, spontaneous power to respond to each and every one of life's events. The alternative to this is that we remain trapped in the same old survival states and patterns of reactivity. So in our conversation, Dr. Shafali talks through how all of this might look using loads of little examples to illustrate brilliantly what she's talking about. But we also discuss the unrealistic and perhaps unhealthy idea of a perfect child and a perfect upbringing. I found it fascinating, very helpful. I hope you do too. At the heart of all issues though for me is this disconnection between the idea we construct of who we are and our true self. I often look at kids playing or even at myself when I'm following my passion and I'm fully engaged in the present moment. And it's so clear to me how this engagement goes hand in hand with a deeper sense that everything is okay and knowing that I'm absolutely deserving and definitely enough. There is though, I guess, a certain point when the experience of the world that our five senses gives us, the message that our culture pounds us with, along with the programming that we've already inherited from the generations that precede us, where we get a different picture painted. One that deeply promotes the idea that we're simply physical beings requiring material gain for happiness and then needing to exploit the biological survival of the fittest model for our success and safety. As a result, we're very quickly, in fact, instinctively drawn into competing for everything and believing that the spoils of war are going to fill this hole inside us or weld this rupture. For sure, many of us are blessed with a life of far greater luxury than has ever been experienced by any generation ever before us. We're no longer required to go to battle for our food and shelter the same way. But our survival has managed to carve itself out a much more constant role in our daily lives now because it's managed to become synonymous with our reputations, our standing and our status. And this disconnect between our idea of self and our true self is experienced as fear and insecurity. Dr. Shafali talks about this loads. And through this, the eyes of this disconnect, the eyes of this fear, life, and specifically the unknown, becomes terribly threatening. So we're likely to just create all kinds of beliefs to defend against it and to help remove it. And through the fear and the beliefs, we end up making all kinds of definitions and assumptions about things like happiness, love, success, value, safety and death from what's happening around us, what we see happening around us. We replace those natural understandings of what these things are 
with this childlike, immature version. Not only do we lose all connection with what's happening within us, but we end up becoming desperate to avoid ever having to go in there and deal with it. We completely put up our guard and shut it off. And the belief system that we construct, it provides some temporary surface relief, but it also shackles us to the unpredictable outside world and the inconsistency of others that we inhabit it with for our solace and our fulfillment. So when certain circumstances arise or change, our inner child's beliefs get exposed and he or she hits that tantrum panic button. I know this feeling so well, that urge arises in you, whether it's to shout, fight, run, scream, hide, whatever it is. It inspires these kind of thoughts that appear out of nowhere, things you never even realized were possible for you to think. Feelings of urgency accompanying them all the way through, whether it's panic, anxiety or whatever. We do get overwhelmed. It gets all kinds of chaotic. It's so easy. It's almost natural to get recruited by these thoughts and feelings and just head off frantically in search of solutions or just to try and get rid of them, whatever it is. Either way, this kind of, I guess, reactivity only serves to validate and reinforce the inner child's understandings. So the child ends up parenting the supposed adult and it only ever becomes more and more demanding. So taking responsibility for ourselves here and now is an all-encompassing solution to living a, a full life. And this means re-establishing the relationship we have with our inner child. So what does it mean to become that fully grown adult? Certainly for me, it revolves around conscious choice and embodying that create state, embodying that relaxation, acceptance, love and the recognition of our worth, independent of everything outside of us. We all like to believe, I guess, that we are fully in charge of deciding who and how we want to be and that we hold all the power. But how many times do we end up using the expression, oh, it's just how I was brought up? How often do we talk about how other people and what they've said and done has made us feel? How often do we use words like can't, impossible, never, and always when we're talking about ourselves and how things have to be in life? What would happen if we could recognize the behavior of the immature version of ourselves, step into their vulnerability, rather than go around chasing blame, revenge and safety on their behalf? So we've regularly championed on this podcast the ability to sit with difficult and often familiar emotions, to lovingly, curiously and calmly welcome, observe and witness the feelings and thoughts and the urges of our inner little one, rather than be grabbed by them. We've repeatedly spoken, even just last week, about the power of becoming that exceptional teammate to ourselves, the ultimate parent, guide, mentor and leader. I guess all it does, all this does, means turning back inwards and promoting the, the knowing realm and the feeling realm well over the believing 
realm and the what everything else looks like outside of this realm. This responsibility for me is the secret to our performance, to remaining present throughout our day, remaining clear, open, intuitive, inspired, sensitive, and always learning and connecting and creating, as opposed to that reactive, blind, and accidental existence. And I feel like society attempts to communicate with the inner child in us all, rather than help us become adults. All the advertising, the exploitative propagandist mediums are all based upon loads of research going into where our buttons are and how to press them to trigger us emotionally, get us thinking the way they want us to think. Companies play on that sense of lack of fear. Two, whether it's more, more, more will make us happy or showing terrifying images leaving those what-if possibilities hanging in the air and niggling in our minds. And the sport that I was involved with, professional rugby, uses the same tactics. Whenever we could identify what we consider to be the habits, the programming, or essentially the inner child makeup of certain players, those never and always black and white belief systems or lines in the sand and thinking... Well, wherever we could find those areas where the behavior was most ingrained, patterns of behavior was most ingrained, that's where we knew we had the opposition. All we had to do was set the trap, stress them and trigger them a bit. Whether it was, and this wasn't my style, believe me, little late digs, maybe little off, offhand comments here and there, before a line out, after a penalty miss, after a big hit or a drop ball, it was amazing the power this had. Simply using certain moves with certain players in certain areas of the field at certain times during the match. And it was like you had the remote controls to the opposition. They were like robots. It was incredible. But also during my most challenging periods of my career, when I was most heavily triggered, I recognized myself to be so mechanical so predictable, so easily manipulated, so absent, and I guess so lifeless. And probably the most difficult thing to come to terms with is how we use and still use those same tactics on ourselves and our own teams. Coaches of teams, captains and leaders sometimes feel like the only way to get their players to really want it and perform was to instigate fear and anger. You'd hear it in team talks before games. If we don't win today, it's all over. If you don't win today, you'll be dropped. You'll lose your contract. Or maybe the opposition team have been disrespecting you all week. They've been laughing at us, etc., etc. And even within ourselves, personally, how often do we criticize pressure and fear monger ourselves? How often do we drive ourselves into that space of overthinking, over-controlling and over-planning just because we do not trust in our capacity to come up with the goods in the heat of the action, in the now? Our ability to respond rather than react, for me, is the expression of our true potential. And it's a quality that 
belongs to our deeper creativity and our gift, but it's also one that belongs uniquely to the present moment. The best players that I played against and the ones I played with were those that remained clear and consciously fully engaged, irrespective of what had happened before and what might be about to happen. They always seemed so full of intent, so purposeful, but physically loose. Their very presence screamed power. They are balanced and tuned into all the subtleties of the feel-based information fields. Because I think they recognize that performance is always a result of total involvement, trust and surrender, not of pre-planning, anything like that. For me, it's really important that we are constantly updating ourselves like this, doing our own research, steering clear of making absolute definitions, especially from second-hand and third-hand sources. It's crucial that we delve deeply into our own present moment experience for our truth and don't go buying into our mind's historically created story. It's a monstrous opportunity, a massive one from a leadership perspective to realize that when we heavily stress ourselves, even if it is for solving problems of others, we are still adding to the sum total of suffering in the world. Cultivating an internal environment out of which beauty can blossom. Enhancing our intention, our excitement, whilst letting go of our insistence for how things and how other people must turn out. That's a game changer. To allow everything to unfold and people to be as they are through compassion, love and deep respect. Wow, that's a lifetime's work right there. Replacing our need to control outcomes with gratitude, a love for life and a reverence for our capacity to create that monumentally outweighs our attachment to whatever we actually create. That's a movement into effortless peak performance that reduces, I think, the sum total of the suffering in the world. However you look at it, for me, it all invokes our ability to respond. It brings all our attention and energy to where we want it and into the present moment and that which fills it. But what an example it is for anyone. But it's also normally the one that we're presented with by our children in their playfulness, in their energy, in their vibrance. That is before we start letting them know just how the world really is. But what if we were able to offer our entire being to our children in return? To seek out, follow our passions and really look after our, our precious dreams. I guess my point is, is that the job of becoming the change we want to see, whether it's for our children or just for the world, is never done. There's so much glorious work there for us. Where would we ever possibly find the time, let alone the incentive for controlling those around us in our families? But more than anything, it just aligns to a life very well spent in my view. 
So a huge thanks to Dr. Shafali. Please do go and check out her work. It's it's immense, even if it just creates a few new possibilities in your thinking. It's definitely been a pleasure for me to have had that time to, to speak with her and I wish her a huge amount of success going forward. Uh, thank you also to yourselves for your ever ongoing support. Uh, I know I say this a lot, but uh, I say it and I mean it every time. It does make such a big difference. Your contributions, they are awesome and they have such a huge impact on where all this is going. I hope you really enjoy this episode and the interview with Dr. Shafali. Please do check that one out. But in the meantime, I hope you have an amazing week. I look forward to catching up with you soon. My name is Johnny Wilkinson. This is the I Am Podcast with Dr. Shafali Sabari. So that's it for another episode of I Am. It's brilliant to be sharing this unfolding experience with you all. If you'd like to get in touch with either me or the guest, then all the information you need is in the show notes. I welcome all and any feedback. I really want all of you to have a hand in guiding the feel of this show and the path of the conversation as well. So just keep them coming in. And until next time, I'm Johnny Wilkinson, and this has been I Am. This show is brought to you by Mags Creative, The executive producer is Megan Hill-Smith. Assistant producer is Alex Macy.